Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5? If you're using a Bible under the seat in front of you, page 1341. I want you to read along with us this morning. We'll begin in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts, our minds, to understand your word. And I pray that it would change us and it would challenge us. That it would bear fruit in us. Help us to understand and to live out, make it a part of our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus gave us a great command to follow. It's the Great Commission. He said, go out into all the world, preach the gospel to all the nations. It's a big task to reach the entire world with the gospel message. And how do we get that done? Well, many would say that that's done through pastors, traveling evangelists, preachers, missionaries as people go out and share. And I would say that, that yes, that's true. That's a very important part of fulfilling the Great Commission. But I would submit to you that that's a real small part of it. All of us as Christians are called to be a part of that. Each and every Christian is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. If you're a born-again Christian, you are to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And the most effective and common way to be a Christian witness is to live a fruitful Christian life in the midst of all the people that you interact with day by day. Your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, your acquaintances, all those people. It's called lifestyle evangelism. And the idea is this. You live this beautiful, attractive, godly life in the midst of all those people that you interact with. And you influence them. And then you earn the right to share with them what makes you different. All of us are called to be that as Christians. So this passage describes what a fruitful Christian looks like. And how to be fruitful. In that way. Let's read through it. Look at verse 16. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires... If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So I want you to notice, first of all, that this passage clearly informs us that every Christian, without exception, has an inner battle to fight on a day-by-day basis. We all have a war to fight. The Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. It's one of intense warfare. Christian, you have enemies. The devil is your enemy. The hordes of demons at the disposal of the devil, those are your enemies. The secular world society that's anti-God in many ways, that's your enemy. But you know who your most powerful enemy is? You. Yourself. Paul refers to that here as your flesh. Now what is flesh? Well, we are all born as sinners by nature. We all have a sinful nature. When Adam fell in the garden, it was passed on to the human race. We all have a sinful nature that's hostile towards God. That wants to sin. Paul is referring to that as the flesh. Now when you hear the gospel and you respond. And you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you ask him to be your Lord and Savior. The scripture says that you become born again. You're made a new creation. You're given a new nature. And that's what Paul is referring to here as The Spirit. You've been born of the Spirit. And that's the nature that wants to please God. Obey God. But here's the deal. Even as a Christian, though you've been saved, the old you is still hanging around. The old nature. And they are at odds. They're at war. Verse 17. The flesh lusts against the Spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. They fight. One scholar said, The flesh stands for what we are by natural birth. The spirit stands for what we become by new birth, the birth of the spirit. 
And these two, the flesh and the spirit, are in sharp opposition to each other. I like how Schofield puts it. The problem of the Christian life is based on the fact that so long as the Christian lives in this world, he is, so to speak, two trees. The old tree of the flesh and the new tree of the divine nature implanted by the new birth. And the problem itself is this. How to keep barren the old tree and to make fruitful the new tree. So, gang, this is a war that you and I as Christians have to battle for the rest of our life until heaven. This is something that will never, ever let up. The old you and the new you. You know, there are some Christians who actually believe that the flesh is eradicated when you give your life to the Lord and that every Christian can eventually stop sinning altogether. Well, you won't find that here in this passage. And I think all of us as Christians by experience know that we have, I know I have that struggle. Paul the Apostle, one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, had that struggle. In Romans 7, he says, what I'm doing, I don't understand. What I will to do, that I do not practice. What I hate, that I do. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Gang, this is something that you and I as Christians will struggle with every day. In fact, experiencing that struggle, feeling it, is evidence that you're born again. One scholar says, this is specifically a Christian conflict. We do not deny that there is such a thing as moral conflict in non-Christian people, but we assert that it is fiercer in Christians because they possess two natures, flesh and spirit, in irreconcilable antagonism. That's a battle that we must face and win every single day as Christians. Now Paul gives a real ugly list of what the flesh looks like, the works of the flesh. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. What an ugly list. This is the works of the flesh. Sexual sin is a work of the flesh. Adultery, sex between unmarried partners. Fornication is the Greek word pornea, means all sexual immorality, all sexual deviance. Uncleanness, it's a word that speaks of filthy, depraved, sexual perversion of the worst sort. Lewdness speaks of sexually immoral excess 
on display, blatant, paraded about. Those are all works of the flesh. Please understand, the Bible teaches that God invented sex. God created sex. And he gave it to the human race. And he put limits on it. All sexual activity is to take place within the context of a marriage relationship between one biological man and one biological woman. You got to be real specific nowadays. Everything outside of that is sin, it's a work of the flesh. He mentions sorcery and idolatry in verse 20. Those are like religious works of the flesh. Idolatry is putting anything ahead of the living God. Sorcery, occultic practices, tapping into these dark forces. Those are all works of the flesh. Hatred. Bitter hatred towards other people. Wishing people were dead. Holding grudges. Contentions. Feuds, quarrels, fights, long-standing bitterness between people. That's a work of the flesh. Jealousies. This is a word that means getting super hot and angry at the fact that somebody has something that you don't. Outbursts of wrath. People flying off the handle, screaming, hurting each other. Selfish ambitions. That's a work of the flesh. When you promote yourself, when you're arrogant, when you step all over people to promote yourself, that's a work of the flesh. Dissensions and heresies, both those words speak of creating division and faction, dividing up people against one another, even in a church context. Getting people to hate each other, getting people to fight, Envy, murders, the unlawful taking of a human life. Now, all of those works of the flesh destroy society. They literally destroy personal relationships and communal harmony all over planet Earth. Devastating. Verse 21, drunkenness, intoxication. This would also include Drug abuse. In fact, up in verse 20, that word sorcery, the Greek for it is pharmakeia, which speaks of poisonous or, or potions and magical potions and all of these different things. Drug abuse. Getting bombed, toasted, wasted, wrecked. That is a work of the flesh. Paul says revelries. That's a word that basically, think of it this way, it means all of the drinking and drug parties. All of the gatherings where everybody gets together to get bombed and to sexually hook up with other people. This is the type of thing that would happen in a nightclub, a bar, a rave, a warehouse, party. All of those things are works of the flesh. Now, this is not 
a comprehensive list. <laughs> Paul says envies, mur- murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. This is a partial list. But the idea here is this. As a Christian, your life is not to look like this in any way, shape, or form. You're to be completely different. Those are works of the flesh. And he gives a very strong warning. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Take that to heart. Practice is the word. It's a habitual lifestyle. It's a habitual way of life. This is not speaking of isolated lapses. If what we just read described you, the habitual you, the way you live, your lifestyle, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, I would say you're not born again. You don't have that new nature. Christians are not perfect. They make all kinds of mistakes. They have lapses, but they don't, they don't live like this. No, as Christians, we live different. And look at what we read in verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, (laughs) self-control. That's what should describe you. As a Christian. The fruit of the spirit. Love. This is the Greek word agape. It's the highest love. It's the supernatural love. It's the love of God. It's the side. Where you love God. You love people. Unconditionally. And sacrificially. You consider other people way better than yourselves. You're not in fights with all these people. You love people. I think of the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love suffers long, is kind, does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, Love, agape, supernatural, miraculous love never fails. And that should characterize our lives as Christians. Think of it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. This is a word that speaks of deep-seated inner contentment and happiness. No matter what circumstances are taking place, it's completely independent of the trials you're going through. You have this inner joy about you. Now, the world will say, if you want joy, if you want to get happy, buy the latest gadget, get the biggest house, drive the nicest car, party, 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 move from relationship to another. It'll make you glad and happy. There might be temporary excitement. But it's not like this joy that you have in knowing Jesus. And it's a radiance in your spirit. Peace 
Fruit of the Spirit is peace. Again, deep-seated inner security, strength, and contentment despite what might be going on in your life. Peace also speaks of the absence of war. So as a Christian man or woman, your relationships are at peace. By the fruit of the Spirit, you, you get along with people. You love people. You care about people. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering. Macrothumia in the Greek. Macro, long, thumos, to get hot. Christians are long to get hot, meaning slow to anger. Speaking of all the people out there that annoy you. Do you have anybody in your life that annoys you? We all do, right? Christians are different because they're very patient. With those people. They're long suffering. Kindness is a word that means literally being useful, useful and profitable to others. Your life is useful to others. You profit others. You do good to others. Goodness, benevolent, active goodness. Faithfulness. Loyal. Reliable. The Christian husband is faithful to his wife. The Christian wife is faithful to her husband. We're faithful to our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're reliable. When we say we're going to do something, we'll do it. People can count on us. Gentleness in verse 23 Gentle, we are gentle people. Now, this is a word that's also been translated meekness in the New Testament. Now, meekness, a lot of people hear that word and they think of weakness. Oh, you're so meek, you're weak. It's not that. This is a Greek word, and I love the meaning. It refers to something of great power that's under control. It's like when you get a wild horse. It's such a powerful horse. After you tame it, it becomes meek. So you have this great power now that's under control. As Christians, we should be strong physically, strong mentally, strong in personality, strong spiritually. But all of that power is under control. We don't intimidate people. I think the best illustration of meekness, when my little girl was first born, a little baby, we had a Christian man at the church, a Navy SEAL. In fact, this guy trained hand-to-hand combat other Navy SEALs. He looked like Steven Seagal, had the, you know, all that. I mean, this guy could kill you with your fingers, his fingers, and I brought Lindsay, my little infant girl, to church that one morning. And, oh, let me see the baby. Let me see the baby. And I put that little baby in his fingers. And he held her close and rocked her. Boy, that is great power. 
under control. That's meekness. That's who we're to be in this society. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Literally able to control your own sexual appetite. What you eat, what you drink, the activities that you take part in. How you live your life, how you're disciplined. It is completely opposite from the works of the flesh, which is out of control. That's what we're supposed to look like. Samuel Chadwick points out in the newspaper English, the passage that we just read reads something like this. Listen, the fruit of the spirit is an affectionate, lovable disposition, a radiant spirit and a cheerful temper, a tranquil mind and a quiet manner, a forbearing patience in provoking circumstances and with trying people, a sympathetic insight and tactful helpfulness, generous judgment and a big-souled charity, loyalty and reliableness under all circumstances, Humility that forgets self in the joy of others. In all things, self-mastered and self-controlled, which is the final mark of perfection. Let me ask you, who would you like to live next door to? The guy who's in verses 19 through 21... The works of the flesh. Or the family that's in verse 22 through 23. The fruit of the spirit. Who do you want to be? Who should you be as a Christian? So how do we become fruitful like this? How do we stay fruitful like this? Well, this passage gives us really good insight. Number one, first, and this is important, this is a daily decision. Take radical, aggressive steps against the old you every day, against the flesh. Take radical, aggressive steps. In verse 24, Paul says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, remember, all of your sins were forgiven. You are brand new, born again. The old you was crucified with Christ on the cross. Positionally before God, you're perfect. But the old you practically, day by day, is still there. And you need to crucify that guy every day. And it's really strong language. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul puts it this way. Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You yourselves are to put off all these, like taking clothes off. You put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. These are decisions that you that you make every day, and, and you're radical about it. You're not passive. That is, every morning you wake up and you think, I am not going to let the flesh win today. And you're going to take radical steps. You're going 
You're going to stay away from those places where you fall into temptation. You're going to stop exposing yourself to the material that leads you to sin. In some cases, you may have to choose to stop hanging out so much with that crowd that pulls you away. So, daily you make that decision. And then positively, as Christians, every day you need to make this decision. I am going to walk by the Spirit. It says in verse 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Verse 16, the way the whole discussion begins. Paul says, Walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So listen, if you choose to walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Now you say, well, what does that mean? Well, remember, as a born-again Christian, when you gave your life to the Lord, you were a new nature, you became a new creation, and the Holy Spirit of God, think of it, took up residence in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Never to leave. He's with you. And you should live every day mindful of that. And to walk in the Spirit means to be dependent upon the Spirit. Actively dependent upon the Spirit. Day by day, moment by moment. Listening for Him. Leaning on Him. You know, living the Christian life can't be done in our own strength. We need to be spirit-empowered people. In fact, verse 22 does say, the fruit of the spirit is love. I can't read verse 22 as the fruit of Terry Gray is love, joy, gag, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit living in Terry Gray is love joy, peace. It is the Holy Spirit who produces the fruit in you. And you must rely upon him day by day by day. It's also keeping your eyes and heart and focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, Jesus said to his disciples, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So it's this idea of every day, know that you are abiding, you're remaining in Jesus. You're keeping your eyes on Christ every day. You're aware of the spirit inside you. Remember that. I think it's also very, very important that we invest in our new nature and starve out our old nature. In fact, in chapter 6, verse 7, Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows to his flesh 
Those who invest and put all this energy and time into the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Those who invest, those who pour into the spirit, the new nature. Oh, my friend, make sure you're doing that. Starve your thought life of all these works of the flesh. Don't put all the junk in there. Invest in, in your spiritual health. And so there's this, these daily disciplines that I would highly recommend of reading your Bible, spending time in prayer. Make sure that the best friends in your life are born-again Christians of the same mindset as you. We need that. We need to strengthen the new nature. Someone likened this battle between the old and new natures to a fight between two dogs. Which dog wins? The dog that you feed. Feed the spirit. Starve the flesh. Another very important thing that I think is important as we consider how to be these fruitful Christians, stay busy. Keep yourself busy doing good things. The Christian life is not sitting around all day idle trying to avoid sin. The Christian life is, man, you are in the work of the kingdom of God day by day. You're doing good things. You're replacing all the bad activity with the good activity. Again, in Galatians chapter 6, Paul says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. John Wesley said it so succinctly. Do all the good you can in all the ways you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Do good. Use your life to do good unto others, to be involved in good activity. So these are this is kind of a daily thing that you need to think through, man. I'm I am I'm crucifying the flesh today. I am walking by the Spirit today. I'm going to be mindful of the Holy Spirit of God's presence within me. Keep my eyes on Christ. I'm investing in the new nature every day. I'm staying busy. You will be a fruitful Christian. And let me tell you this. The fruitful life is the best life. Christian. You want, you want the most joyful, peaceful, satisfying life that you can live. Shoot for this. Ask God to make you fruitful. You know what else? If you become a fruitful Christian like this, It'll be the best possible thing for your family, for your wife, for your kids, for your friends, for your community.
And you know what else? It'll be good for all the non-believers in your life who surround us day by day looking for the real thing. (laughs) You live like this in front of other people, all my lands, will you be different? Now, there are going to be some that will hate you. But there are going to be a lot who will be attracted to you. Want to know who you are and what makes you the way you are. And then you have the ability, the right, to share Christ. That's reaching the world. I'd like you to consider something. Every single one of us has a sphere of influence. We have a few hundred people at our services every weekend, and you all have your place in this community. You have a place that you work. You have a neighborhood that you live in. You have a circle of people that you deal with on a day-by-day basis. Think of all the Christians in every church in America on Sunday morning. Think of all the Christians in every church throughout the world. And think of all the jobs and the neighborhoods and the spheres. And you know what? Many of these spheres of influence are absolutely unique to you. I can't go in there. Somebody else can't go in there. That's where you're at. Be fruitful there. Don't try to blend into the world. Stand out. Might rock the boat a little. But the Lord will also use you in mighty, mighty ways. Would you bow with me? Let's pray for strength to do this. Father, I pray that we would be mindful of your spirit in us day by day. Lord, I pray that you would make us victorious day by day over the works of the flesh. That we would walk by the spirit. Lord, empower us. Bear fruit, Lord, in our lives. For our own good, for the good of others, and for the glory of your kingdom. Then with every head bowed, eyes closed, have you become born again? Have you been given the new nature? Does the Holy Spirit live in you? Life is way too hard to fight all these battles on your own. You need the help of God. You need to become a child in the family of God. The scripture teaches so clearly that our sin separates us from God. 
was that God in his love and grace sent his son, the Lord Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, who took the penalty, he took the price that we deserved. He died in our place and he rose again that third day. And if you place your faith and trust in him for salvation, all of your sins will be forgiven. You will become born again. The Holy Spirit will take up residence in your life. And you begin this journey. Have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? I want you to have an opportunity to do that right now. If that's you, I want you to place your faith and trust in you. Choose to give your life to him. And you do that through just a simple prayer. It's a cry of the heart. If that's you, you cry out. Lord Jesus, save me. I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and rising again that third day. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Take over my life. Make me born again right now. And fill me with your spirit. Empower me to live a life that honors you and one that's helpful to others, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?